Hello, listeners. Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator. I'm all about capturing and curating career and life stories as a meaningful way to celebrate a milestone moment like a big old birthday, anniversary, retirement, or graduation. And I'm at my best when curating photo books that move your memories from the basement or your phone or your computer to the coffee table, giving you and your family and friends access to these treasured memories for years to come. I also love curating and capturing life and career stories through this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? It's a series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Christy Yoder, who is the founder and CEO of Smart VAs, and that's VA for virtual assistants, not VAs as in Veterans Administration. So welcome, Christy. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited too. I always love when I get connected to someone or who someone who reaches out to me that's interested in my podcast, and that's how Christy and I got connected. So uh, and we met and had a wonderful conversation. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a really good fit. And she's got a very interesting stories. So we're going to pause for a moment to hear from a very happy Life Story Curator client. My name is Eleanor Allen, and I recently finished a project with Kathy about my mother's life story. And the reason I wanted to do her life story was that she's first 91 years old. And second, we've been talking about it for years as a family. I have four brothers and many nieces and nephews, and we had never gotten around to making the book. Then one day I was out with another friend who is a mutual friend of, um, of mine and Kathy's, and she showed me the book that Kathy had made about her parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And I thought right then and there, this is the answer. I got to hire Kathy to get this life story finally done for my mother. So I did. And working with Kathy is just a joy and a pleasure. So first, how do you organize somebody's 90 plus years into a story that's succinct, but also very interesting? And Kathy helped guide myself and my niece and one of my brothers, I have four brothers, one of them worked on this project with us intensely into the, the storyboarding process and then working into, okay, these are the chapters of her life we're gonna work on, which we went by decade. And then for each decade of her life, what do we need? We need this many pictures and this many um, vignettes. And then Kathy also brought in this great idea to put in QR codes of recordings. I hadn't even thought of that, but we did several of those. Some are my mother's um, audio recordings. We captured some of those audio files. Some are video recordings of her telling stories of her life that we have in the book, but of course, much more detail when we have the recording. And some QR codes are also documents. So we put a link to my father's autobiography that he had written for us before he passed as well. And my grandfather's autobiography that my father had done uh, interviewing my grandfather. So very special and those come to life as well in the book. So I encourage you, if you have any inclination of documenting someone's life story in your life, definitely go for it. It's worth the work and the, the 
product, in this case, my mother's story is absolutely wonderful. And she was over the moon with joy. So don't wait, do it. Document the life of your loved ones or whatever special occasion there is and work with Kathy and you will have a wonderful experience. Christy, if you would, uh, I always like to start with the icebreaker question. So tell us where you grew up in the world and where you are in the birth order in your family. Because I think those two things really have a big influence on how we're shaped as adults. Yeah. So I grew up in the Philippines. Um, I moved to the States in 2019. So I'm currently in Ohio right now. And I'm the youngest. I always tell people when they ask me, so are you the youngest? Are you the the, the, the eldest? And I, and I always say, I'm the youngest and the prettiest. And they, they all laugh every time I say that. <laughs> Because they rhyme, right? Youngest and the prettiest. And the prettiest, yes. Well, and I love that they also add that qualifier on there too. So so how many in your family that you're the youngest and the prettiest of? Yeah, so I have three siblings. I have one sister and I have two brothers. Oh, okay. And are you pretty close in age or, or spread out? No, well, actually my brother, um, uh, the one before me, He's already 37 and I am 33. So there's like about four years gap. And my oldest, oldest brother, he's already 48. And my sister, which, which is the second um, daughter or child, um, she's, I think, around 43. Oh, so it is a pretty big gap between you and the oldest. Yes. And and the second even, but you and your other brother are pretty close, I would guess. So yeah, we grew up pretty close together. Ah, and uh, what did you do as young young people then growing up? What were their activities? Were you in sports or music or theater? Well, growing up, growing up as a teenager, me and my brother, we used to play a lot of hide and seek kind of game. And it was actually during the time where Barbie dolls are very popular as well. So I used to play with Barbie dolls. However, since we didn't have, you know, enough money to, for my, you know, for my parents to buy me Barbie dolls in the Philippines, we, we, we had our own version of Barbie dolls. We call them paper dolls. So it's like Barbie, but it's the paper version and that's quite cheap. So that's what I mostly played with when I was um, younger, I think from probably from five to 10 years old. And then when I turned 11 years old and that's when I was graduating for um, grade school, um, that's when my life changed. I didn't play with any toys anymore or whatever, but at 12 years old, I had my first boyfriend and that's when I had my first cell phone as well. And so I got so distracted, you know, with texting my friends and even just dating with my boyfriend. So I didn't really have much of a childhood, if I must say, but all I can remember now is that I had a pretty good high school life, but not really, I mean, my high school life was pretty fun. That's, I feel like that's the best part of my life, but at the same time, that's one of the most darkest part of my life because that's when I met friends who taught me how to smoke, you know, not just smoke cigarette, but also smoke marijuana and also, 
drink um, and get drunk, you know, so like almost every week we go to like different bars and we hang out with friends and we just get drunk. And during my high school life, that is actually the era of emo, punk and gothic. So I don't know if you remember that era, but I used to be one of those people you know um uh -huh. I used to be an emo kid I was a punk kid I was a gothic person whatever you know like I used to go with the flow whatever is very popular during that time I just went you know with the flow and just um copied what my friends are doing because I want to be cool <laughs> yeah, cool and be liked and be part of the in crowd right and right yeah, that peer pressure at high school is so tough, isn't it? And you're we're trying, we're all trying to figure out our identity and and it is kind of who you get uh connected with with your friends, right? And then that's exactly the thing that's cool. Mm -hmm. And that's also the time when my mom and dad got separated. So my dad went to work outside, outside of, the of the Philippines. Um he went to Taiwan uh, first and then the yeah. second time he went to Saudi Arabia and they got separated. And so I lived with my sister my sister was already married married during that time so I lived with my sister for like maybe five years and then I went back to live with my mom and my mom had her own boyfriend during that time and she wasn't able to really um like guide me you know just like what other parents would do to their to their kids like she wasn't very strict um she's okay with me going out with friends and inviting my friends to our house and getting drunk like she's okay with that she's not a very strict um, um parent um that's probably because during that time you know she she trusts me and she knows that I'm not gonna do anything foolish but I did maybe he maybe <laughs> she just didn't know yeah. um, but I was I was very you know I was young wild and free during that time ah okay I love that I was young wild and free <laughs> yeah and actually because I was so young wild and free I actually dropped out of high school oh okay I dropped out of high school because I had my second boyfriend I was 14 years old during that time. Um, my boyfriend was 10 years older than me. So he was very mature already. And I wasn't at that time. I was just like, oh, I just need to have a boyfriend, you know, so that, you know, I have somebody I can be with when I go out. And so culture is very different. In, yeah. In the well, and that's what I wanted to get. The culture is different. It also sounds like you grew up like you said, young, wild, and free, but you had to grow up fast. I mean, you were at a young yeah. age dealing with some, a lot of older people. And and they, <laughs> of course, are thinking you're probably, you know, you, they, you, you probably seemed more mature than you were, right? Because you're putting on that exactly, air. Exactly, yeah. And all that. Yeah, I totally get it. Okay. All right. Well, that gives us a little little bit of a flavor. We'll <laughs> probably get more into this in, in just a minute. But I do want to kind of change topics a little bit and move into... Um, how you are personality wise. So are you an introvert, an extrovert, an ambivert? Have you heard that term ambivert where? Yeah, yeah. Um, I used middle? to be, I used to be an extrovert. Um, you know, yeah, I was young, wild and free. Uh, now <laughs> I am still an extrovert, but very selective to the people that I hang out with. Um, and because I'm in a different season in my life now, like I became a little bit more serious. Um, I 
I tend to think through things now before I do something. Um, but I can still definitely say that I am an extrovert, but I just give my energy to the right people. Ah, oh, you're selective, selective extrovert. Okay. All right. <laughs> so on the fun meter on a scale of one to five, one being a couch potato and five being the life of the party, where do you put yourself? If five, if, 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 if being a life of the party means making people laugh and getting attention from people, I'm probably a five. You're probably a five. Because you yeah. like to do that. You to like the to... right people. Okay, the right people. <laughs> <laughs> With the fire. Oh, we'll take that. And then on the risk meter, same scale, one to five, one being a low risk taker, five being a high risk taker, where do you put yourself? I am definitely a high risk taker because if I wasn't, I wouldn't move from the Philippines to the States, to the States and start my new life here. Um, but the difference is now I cal calculate, cal calculate the risk that I'm going to take, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to take it. I have different plans, plan A, plan B, plan C, if any of those um, don't work out. Like I already have a plan envisioned in my mind because I don't want to fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love those two questions because it just gives us some insight into you as a person in terms of risk-taking and then also kind of how you like to have fun and how you show up with people. So, uh, well, so let's talk a little bit about where you are now, um, what it means to be the founder and CEO of Smart VAs, and then we'll get into the, did I get here? So yeah. tell us kind of what your typical day is or your typical client and what you do then for what your business is. Mm -hmm. I know at the beginning of, um, before we hit record, you asked me how I wanted to be introduced. And I said, you can say founder and CEO, but until even at this point, I'm not used to calling myself, you know, a founder and CEO of my business because to me really it's just a title. If anything, you know, I don't give credit to myself. I give credit to my team because right now, you know, you asked me about my day-to-day -day life. My, my day, most of the time, is very light because I have the right team to support me. So I'm not a morning person and I don't want to. I love sleeping in. Um, <laughs> I know other people, they say, you know, if you wake up at 5, 5 a.m., you know, like Warren Buffett, you're going to be successful. I'm like, no way. I'm not going to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> you know, maybe when I get older, you know, when I have trouble sleeping already, I'll do that. But now I love sleeping and I wake up at 8 a.m. So I wake up at 8 a.m. I start my day at 8.30. That's when I, that's when we have our daily huddle to meet with my core team. And then after that, uh, it's either I talk to two or three um, people uh, and have meetings with them in the day. Um, but, but mostly the way how I structure my day is the first half of my day that's going to be for meetings. And then the second half of my day that's going to be for, that is spent for my um, white space. So if you look at my calendar right now from eight to 12, I have meetings from one to five, it's mainly my white space, unless there is something that I really need to attend to kind of like this interview, it's scheduled at 3 p.m. And I really wanted to do this interview with you. So, you know, I have white spaces on my calendar, but I also know my um, 
my non-negotiables you know like if i wanted to do something like i can work around my schedule there's yeah. just so much freedom in it so um so i used to be a virtual assistant uh, when i was still in the philippines um i started uh venturing out of you know just creating my own career um and tapping into the freelancing um world and and that's because when i met my husband and when we talk about getting married i told him that i don't really want to be that kind of mother or mom parent um who neglects their their children just because they're so busy like i don't want to go you know drive to the office at early in the morning and get home late late afternoon or late evening just because you're so busy with your work and so i told myself that I need to do something different. I need to start doing my own uh, freelancing um, hustle so that I can prepare, you know, my future, our, the future of, of my, my family, um, especially when the time comes that we're going to have kids. So we don't have kids right now. Uh, eventually, we, we were going to want, you know, to have one, but we are now at the point where, you know, we can live with freedom and flexibility because of how I set up my business. So my team, um, there's like 70 plus team members in the agency right now. And 15 of them, 15 of them is um, my core team. So, and there's only three people who are directly reporting to me. So even though I have 70 plus team members, I only work with three people on a daily basis to report to me what's going on in the business. And um, again, I built the business that way because I had the vision for myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. It's it's an impressive business. I you know I I love how you. you have this thing now called virtual assistance, and you can you know get this help that you need as a business owner. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to when you were young and wild and free <laughs> and a young person. Um, did you always, did you have, what were your career aspirations? I mean, what did you want to be when you grew up? Were you thinking, oh, I'm someday I'm going to be, own my own company and I'm going to be, you know, having 70 people report to me? No, nothing like that, really. You know, when I was high school, I didn't even think about my future. I just wanted to have somebody to make me happy, to complete me. That's what I was mostly thinking of you know having mm -hmm. that somebody that person who would be able to to affirm or give me compliments and that's because you know probably probably because you know my um probably because I did not get that from from my family don't get me wrong my family you know, is great. Um, I love my siblings. I love my parents. But during that time, they um, they brought me into this world the way how they know best. You know, um, and I love them, and I'm glad that they supported me in everything that I do as their daughter. But when I was in high school, college, like I was very alone, sad. And I felt insecure. I, I, I felt like there was some something lacking in my life, and I thought that I would be complete when, whenever I, you know, find that person for me. And that that wasn't really the case. 
you know. So I didn't really think about becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, when I was um, in late high school, I helped my mom with her small business. And we also started um, our own small business together. And that's not because I wanted to become an entrepreneur. That's because that's because of um, desperation. You know, we needed we needed to make money. You know, I grew up in a third mm-hmm. world country. You know, we need to to be creative and to be innovative. And so, having a business, you know, in the Philippines, or when I had my small business with my small business with my mom when I was in late high school, I didn't think about it as, oh, I'm going to be a business owner. I want to become a business owner. That's why I wanted to have this business. But it's because we needed money. <laughs> we need to build something. Uh-huh. So, 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 so to answer your question, no, I didn't uh, thought of, I didn't think of becoming an entrepreneur. And I don't, I didn't even know what I wanted to be growing up. When I was young, I just wanted to be with someone who would be able to complete me. That's it. Ah, okay. <laughs> then would know that I'm so great that, to share that. I, um, I would, um, I can relate to that. When I was a young person, I got to tell you, I did not know what I wanted. I can, I couldn't even envision my life outside of high school. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Whereas my sister, on the other hand, was like, saw herself in business and doing something in business and wearing suits and doing, you know, so she had this kind of image and I'm like, I don't know, am I even going to live past high school? You know, I don't want to sound like I was suicidal in any way because I wasn't, but I just didn't have any like aspiration or vision of where it was. I I didn't really think I wanted someone to completely, even though I got married very young to first husband uh, at 20, um, And maybe that's what I was looking for. So I don't know. But I think, thank you for sharing that because that's what, you know, when you are young, sometimes you're stuck in that identity thing we talked about and you don't know what to do. You're having fun, you're partying, yet you also needed money. So there was a very big reality in your world, right? About I have to be doing something to earn money. And what is that going to be? And then, but it sounds like you had a little college in there too. So were you studying something in particular in college or? Yeah. So, um, so earlier I mentioned that I dropped out of high school. Um, it was during my second year high school, um, just because I got so busy hanging out with my friends and drinking a lot. Um, but there was one time I was hanging out with my friends at a bar. Um, I think it was about midnight. My mom texted me and she told me, hey, there's a program in our community for out of school, out of school youth. Uh, what you're just going to do is you're, you have to attend um, one session um, per week for the entire year um, to review the exam, um, to review for the exam. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so I started uh, attending um, the sessions for to, to review uh, for the exams, but I only attended uh, the sessions like maybe twice or thrice because I wasn't very serious with my life during that time. I was like, I just want to be happy. You know, I don't care about studies. I just want to be happy. And so I thought that I'm out of the program already because I I wasn't able to complete the review sessions. But then one night, um, I was also hanging out with my friends and getting drunk. Um, it's probably around 2 a.m. Um, I don't know why my mom was still awake during that time, but she texted me around that time and she told me, hey, the 
the exam for, for you to get to college um, is tomorrow. And when she said tomorrow, that's the same day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she told me it was at, you know, 7 a.m. And she texted me at 2 a.m. I was like already tipsy. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to go home and see if I can pass the test. And so I went home probably around five and I, I probably didn't take a shower. I just went to the um, exam center and I took the exam. You know, it, it's, it, it's um, the exam was about different sorts of, you know, subjects like math, science, English, um, whatever, <laughs> whatever curriculum we have um, during that time. And after a week, my mom told me, hey, you passed the exam. So now you can go to college. Wow. So yeah, you went I was to like, two or three review sessions when it should have been an, a whole year program. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you were still able to pass these tests. So obviously yeah. you got something going on in the brain besides just having yeah. fun and partying. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, all I know now is that, you know, everything that happened in my life, it's God's grace, you know, because he didn't, you know, even though I had a boyfriend at, at a very young age, I had a, I had a very promiscuous lifestyle. I did not get pregnant, you know. So I was still protected, you know, from having something that I that I didn't want to have during that time. And so I passed the test. I I was like, oh, okay, now I need to go to college. And so I I enrolled for, for college. I I took up computer science. Um, but I wasn't so serious about my studies as well. Because during that time when I was in college, I was already working for a company. And I had the money to pay my classmates to do my projects. <laughs> so, oh, I and, see. Yeah, and so I, I just, you know, for the most part, I paid my my classmates to do to do my projects. Um, so I graduated uh, from college, but I did not attend the graduation day because I didn't really care. I don't, I don't care about education. Um, to be honest, until now. I, I can't say fully that I care about education, um, like the traditional education, like going to school, because my generation is very different. You know, type type in something in, you know, on Google and you'll find your answers, you know, watch something on YouTube, especially now that AI is getting more and more, you know, popular, you know, like there are so many ways you can do things, you know, without really going to school, except for when you want to be a doctor a lawyer you know you have you have to have you know you know a degree if you want to be a doctor so so yeah that's the story of my college and high school life <laughs> so when do you feel like you started to get serious about your life then because it feels like you're oh. still like oh, I kind of paid for people to pay for to do my college and I got out but you had this job so obviously you were earning money you were probably successful so uh, I can't but say that I was successful. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't say that I was successful when I uh, when I was working for a company during that time. Um, so I lived paycheck to paycheck because, again, I loved hanging out with my friends, eating out at restaurants, traveling, and I fell in love with a guy when I was eighteen years old. And you know, like I said, I was one of those emo kids. I love music. I love going to concerts and bar gigs. And I met this guy who was a vocalist of a band, 
and I fell in love with him. We texted, we chatted, only for me to find out that he was married. Oh. <laughs> 18 years old. I When I was, you know, I was 18 years old. I was stupid, you know. I was, again, young, wild, and free. I told him, well, if you really love me, you're going to leave your wife and your daughter. And he did. So we lived in together for for five years or probably six years. We lived in together for six years. And within those six years, I wasn't also happy. You know, I told him to leave his wife, his family, because I wanted to be happy. But then when we lived in together, I wasn't also happy. You know, I wasn't still complete. Like I wanted to. Like you thought you were going to be. Yeah. And that's because he's a womanizer. He cheated over me. Um, he met with like friends that I know, you know, mutual friends and people that I'm close with. Like he, he cheated over me and I had no idea why. And during that time, all I know was there was something wrong with me. Uh, that's how you like, internalize what, what yeah. his behavior was, is it was you that was causing it, huh? Yeah, I was like, was I not enough? Was I not beautiful? Was I not giving him uh, what he wants? And when you're in that kind of a relationship, if you know that, if you think that you're not enough, you're going to perform, right? Like, do you really, because you really want to satisfy him. But even, you know, if you give your best, if the person, you know, is a... Uh, is not also in his right I don't know, mind. I don't know how to yeah. say it, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. Um, you, you can't, there's nothing you can do for him to change if he doesn't know what he's doing wrong. And so I felt so insecure. I wasn't very confident, but there was one time I was so fed up. I was so sick and tired of what he was doing to me. And I told him that I'm going to, and the relationship and he didn't want to he tried to change but after two months he didn't really um and so i just ended the relationship it was very very hard for me because he was my world you know i planned my future with him and when i broke up with him it's like starting my life over again and so when i broke up with him my my aunt my aunt um my my dad's sister she invited me to church and I was like okay I'll go to church <laughs> I'm brokenhearted anyway <laughs> so I went to church after going to church I was like wow it felt like that the message was specifically for me and so I was super hungry for God during that time so I attended church once and I kept on coming back and I and I this was only in 2014. Um, so I kept on coming back to church and I attended Bible study groups and that and that and that's where my life changed 180 degrees. Um, and I came to know God. I realized that there was nothing wrong with me, you know, and I and I realized that everything that I did from grade school up to college up to you know up to the time where I knew God he's protecting me you know um being able to pass the exam without really reviewing the test that is really um God's grace for my life and so now 
I know that God has a plan for my life and it's just up to me if whether if I'm going to go right, left or straight, you know? And so, um, yeah. And then I handled my own Bible study groups. I did, I discipled. So we call, we use the word disciple, you know, for like uh-huh. when, you lead, when you lead the Bible study group, I disciple, um, young, uh, young, younger women than me, even Filipinos outside of the Philippines who are working from different parts of the world. And up, up until now, I still disciple them. I went on mission trips and I met my husband online. So I met my husband online at a Christian dating site. And um, he was the he was the guy, the man that God had prepared for me because he's... Um, we are not the same we're the exact opposite you know but our personalities they complement each other and he's exactly what i needed to have in my life um but the the difference is that before i met him i was already complete because i knew christ you know i know my identity already and so i didn't have insecurities i didn't have trust issues like I know my I I know my purpose already uh, when I met him and the same thing with him like he grew up a Christian um he's a worship leader um he plays drums so you can see my djembe and I see the guitar musical instruments in the back there yeah that's my husband's not not mine um and so he's exactly what I needed um for my life and actually my husband now works for the business as well uh okay yeah yeah, um, and so I moved to the States um, because he didn't want to move to the Philippines because life there is very different. Um, so we met in 2017. He visited the Philippines once, but when he visited the Philippines, we were just friends. Um, you know, we're like protect, guarding our hearts, making sure that we're doing the right thing. And so um, we, when we met, we just confirmed that, okay, we like each other, you know, let's see, we're where this will lead us and so he visited the Philippines three times in a year and then the fourth time he visited he proposed to me and then we um we started the fiance visa process so that I can move here and start a life with him but it wasn't easy at first you know when I was dating my husband I I struggled as well because there there is a stigma that if an American or if if somebody from a first world country, you know, meets or is dating somebody from a third world country, you know, there's a stigma that the person who lives in the third world country is just, just wanting to have, you know, to, to get money from from the person who lives in the first world country, right? So American dating, um, I feel somebody from the Philippines, I feel like it's not really a good idea for some people because they think that, oh, Christine might just want you know, want yeah. to get money from, from, from James, which is my husband, but it wasn't the case, you know, uh, for many people, but I'm not saying that, that it's not happening. It, it happened, you know, it, it is happening. I know some people who are doing that, but, but it's just, you know, I think there's a little, a little bit of fear that people might judge, might judge us um, when we were dating, but now not anymore because, Hey, my husband's even my husband even works for my business. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> that I'm that I'm wanting that I'm a gold digger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the you're the breadwinner. So you're the you're the uh, yeah. So yeah. Your 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a great story. I love that. How, you know, you found the church and then that just all of a sudden it just, you knew you had this knowing, right. That it was the right place for you. And then that's where you found how you got to complete yourself and that you were perfect and complete and you didn't need someone else to do that right for you. And so now you're a different person when you meet your husband and, and when you show up in the world, obviously. So is that when you started your business was it during that time of church before you met him or yeah, after yeah. you and he got together? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it felt like you got established there first. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started like a solo virtual assistant. I didn't have my team, you know, um, I started my business when I, well, I started the business when I met my husband because we were talking about getting married already. And so I told him that I didn't want to work outside of the house, you know, and yeah, in a uh, traditional kind of nine to five. Yeah. Or yeah. Kind of, uh, okay. Wow. Very exciting. So, so it sounds like this entrepreneurial spirit was a little bit inside you already because that's how you grew up and that you had to earn a living somehow, but how, finding the right thing, and it wasn't a formal education that you needed. It was really, how do you find the right business that you could really, that lit you up and that you can help people and, you know, do the work that you're doing now. So very exciting. Yeah. Well, Chrissy, we can probably talk all afternoon, but I can't, and I can't believe that we've already been chatting for about, uh, you know, 30, 35 minutes. So we probably should start wrapping up. So um, when you look back, two closing questions, when you look back on your career and life, what do you think served you best? You know, what were those, that strength or discipline or character? What do you think kind of served you best throughout your whole career so far? Um, I think that would be one of the characteristics of, the Filipino culture of where I grew up, and that is resiliency. Um, the Philippines is a third world country, but if you visit the country, everybody's smiling. Everybody seems like they don't have any problem at all because they live a very positive life for the most part. I'm not saying that this is um, true um, to every Filipinos, but for the most part, everybody's very positive, very hospitable. When they are, when they go through things, they don't give up. They're very resilient, and I think that's one of the characteristics um, that I am um, applying. Um, not really, I'm applying, but because it's already in me um, that I'm that I am embodying currently, whether um, in my personal or professional life. Because if you you know, if you, I feel like if you own a business, you really have, you really need to be tough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many decisions to make and, uh, and you're taking such a big risk and you're putting your livelihood on the line. I mean, this, yeah, there's a big, big responsibility to being a business owner. So, and to have 70 people reporting, I mean, those are the, the livelihoods of 70 people are, are relying on you, right? That they're going to have work to do and that they're going to keep earning a living and, and doing the work that they enjoy. So, yeah. Big pressure. Yeah. Okay. So, so last uh, kind of summary question then is any words of wisdom throughout your career, or maybe when you were at a time when it was a little bit dark for you, or you felt stuck or, or um, in transition, any words of wisdom that helped get you out of feeling like you were stuck? There's actually a lot that I can think of right now, but I think something that really sp speaks to me a lot even 
even during my younger years and even at this point is that God will always come through. You know, God comes through regardless. Um, even when I didn't know him, even when I didn't have a relationship with him, he still protected me. And even though, you know, there were a lot of times where I didn't have money. There was a lot of time um, where I only had a penny and that wasn't even enough to feed myself. Um, God came through. You know, there was there was a point I needed money because I was so hungry, you know. And it's like there was somebody telling me, like, there's like a voice in my head telling me, oh, check the back of your of, of this uh, wallpaper or like the photo album, check the back of this photo album and see if there's money there. And I, I checked the back of the photo album and there was like a, like a dollar bill that's enough for me to, to eat, you know, for the day. And I was like, how did that money uh, get in there? You know, so I feel like, I, I feel like in my life, you know, when I was at the lowest, when it was time for me to jump off of the building, you know, God comes through. When I only had when I only had that one last piece of strand to live by, God came through for me. So I feel like it's the same for for other people. You know, people may call it the universe or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. It's still the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you look at like you said before, you found God. You look back and you can see all those signs of where there was protection and there was guidance, and but you just didn't know where maybe it was coming from or how. But yet, look at you now and so resilient and and you know creating this life for yourself that is uh, more than what you imagined because you couldn't even imagine it at the time. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a great and fitting inspirational ending to your story today. I know the story is going to continue, but for our podcast, the ending of your, of your story. So well, Christy, <laughs> don't end my story. I had someone say to me once, they're like, well, I don't want to do my, my story isn't over. I can't do your podcast. And I'm like, well, no, no one's story is over. I hope. Right. Um, it's really, it's a point in time thing that at this point in time, how did I get here? And what are the things that I've done to kind of get unstuck or, you know, to help myself through transition? So anyway, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below and you'll be alerted as other interviews are published. And if you have any questions for me or for Christy, you can find this interview published on lifestorycurator.com it's in my blog section and in there i'll put the contact social media contact information for christy so if you wanted to get in touch with her if you have virtual assistant needs obviously you could be reaching out to her and then or if you just want to know more about her story or more about um her different social media aspects then that, that information will be there too so anyway on that note i'll say stay safe stay well and let's keep sharing those stories have a great day